This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Picture this. It's 2050, less than 30 years from now. It's a typical day at high tide alongside the San Francisco Bay, but the waterline is 11 inches higher than it is today. That may not sound like much, less than a foot, but it is a lot. It's a lot because a big storm can push the water levels several feet higher than usual. And because of climate change, storms are getting bigger and bigger, a process that will continue to accelerate over the next 30 years. It's also a lot because the bay rising 11 inches doesn't just mean that a bit of the shoreline is now underwater. It means that when it rains, stormwater that now drains into the bay from other parts of San Francisco or other cities has nowhere to go. Overflow basins and pipes would back up, causing flooding in areas far from the water's edge. Rising sea levels would threaten our transportation networks, highways and rail lines underwater and unusable. Highway 101, Interstate 880, and the Bay Bridge would all be affected. Crops wiped out by flooding, marshes and inlets that support wildlife, gone. Residential and business neighborhoods repeatedly damaged by floodwaters. A study by a local think tank and engineering experts concluded that when it comes to rising sea levels, Bay Area citizens cannot afford not to take action. We don't have five to ten years to begin the process of mitigating the dangers that come with rising sea levels. That study was published five years ago, and not much action has been taken since. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fit the Mission. Today we look at the Bay's rising waters with John King, the San Francisco Chronicle's urban design critic, who just published part one of a four-part series called Rising Reality, which looks at the difficulties facing communities bracing for rising sea levels all along the San Francisco Bay. John King, this is a compelling series that looks at how different parts of the Bay Area will have to grapple with rising sea levels. This risk isn't just to communities that are living closest to shorelines, but there's a domino effect that would affect everyone. Is that right? Yes. One of the points that I try to make in the series and that is made by every advocate pushing for a more kind of a smarter long-term sea level rise strategy is that Every system passes along the bay. For instance, highways run on landfill. So if the bay goes up a few feet, suddenly I-80 in Berkeley and 101 down on the peninsula, they're going to have water sloshing across them with high tides and storms. If you have wastewater treatment facilities that take the treated water into the bay, well, if the bay comes up higher they might back up. And if you had water rise up and spill over the Embarcadero seawall, it might run down tunnels and walkways into the BART and Muni lines and shut down the entire subway system. 
you know, everything touches the Bay at some point. I mean, we're called the Bay Area for a reason. The defining element of the nine counties here is that they all have Bay shorelines. And that means there are all vulnerable areas that in turn feed back up into higher areas. So let's be clear, the culprit here is climate change? Yeah, the culprit absolutely is climate change. And essentially what is going on is that you've got warmer temperatures, which expand water. That's one thing you don't think about. You know, Think about how a tea kettle feels heavier when the water's hot and about to boil than when you just put it in and it's cold from the tap. Mm-hmm. You know, you get that kind of incremental growth. Plus, you have more water coming from melting glaciers, melting ice caps, things like that. So essentially, it's like the bathtub level is being raised. Meanwhile, you get more extreme weather events that can trigger more water flushing in. If we go back to Katrina, you know, the big problem there back in 2005 in New Orleans and the Mississippi Delta was this huge hurricane hitting, but then it was also combining with rainwater surging into the Mississippi. So that's the kind of thing is that, you know, the way we live and the way the climate is changing becomes this large factor turning things. And sea level rise will not suddenly arrive tomorrow. It's not like an earthquake that could just happen as a cataclysm over tonight. It's an inexorable thing that builds up gradually and by every reliable forecast will accelerate like in the last half of the century. Right. And and your series looks at four main areas in the Bay Area that is going to have to reckon with this gradual change that you're talking about. And you started with Mission Creek in San Francisco. Can you tell us a little bit about that area and why you decide to start your reporting there? Sure, sure. I am not a science reporter. I'm the urban design critic. I'm a building and parks guy. And what first got me into writing about sea level rise several years ago was the fact this is a planning challenge. The Bay Area has to think about how do we plan for sea level rise? And that includes changes to the shoreline, changes to the landscape. Coming back to it, you know, in the past few months, in the past year, I wanted to really zoom in on very specific spots that could give some idea of the problems that the region faces. And what really strikes me is the complexity of this problem. That's what makes it so daunting. Mm -hmm. And Mission Creek is a perfect example. What you have is the remnant of a bay that was filled in. You know, it, it was a bay off the bay. It was like 600 acres or something like that of marshes and mud flats and streams that was filled in between the gold rush and World War I. And it's turned into, it is now an engineered channel. It has no natural water flowing into it. It's essentially like a square thin finger coming in off of the bay. So you very much capture sea level rise. And the thing about Mission Creek, it's not just that it's an engineered channel. When the planning for Mission Bay began, these were old rail yards sitting on the bay fill. Sea level rise and climate change were things that scientists were starting to talk about, but they hadn't registered in the political debate at all. And there was very little in the way of kind of authoritative projections or anything about them. 
So when the planning took place for Mission Bay back in the late 80s, early 90s, this wasn't an issue. And all sorts of issues were fought about, including environmental issues. There was a lot of wastewater disposal cleanup done to make Mission Creek a cleaner place, things like that, to clean up hazardous waste that had just spilled off of trains and rail yards into the soil and everything. But there is no thought about, gee, should we be lifting this up? So you have an area that essentially is bay fill tied to the sea level as it was in 1914. And we're talking about like a hip, newly developed neighborhood, right? That We're talking about the area that's by the Chase Center and all these new developments and these apartments. Yeah, we're talking about a neighborhood that went from being rail yards up into the 1980s to now having four or 5,000 condominium homes and apartments, 30% of which are reserved for very low and low-income residents. I mean, it's a very mixed neighborhood. Mm -hmm. You've got the Giants ballpark. You've got the Warriors Arena. You have an entire UCSF medical campus. You have a huge hospital that is not just a nice hospital It is one of the three biggest hospitals in San Francisco. You've also got a streetcar line running through it, and you've got a peninsula commuter rail line running through it. And all these things are basically three feet above sea level. Right. So it's like, how do you now back, kind of turn the clock back to fix it when everything's brand new? We'll be right back. You can support Fifth Emission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So this is a, you looked at this neighborhood to really examine how San Francisco and other cities in the Bay Area could be looking at the potential risks, but also the the solutions at play. And you know, from my understanding, your your reporting revealed something sort of stark, which is there's no coordinated regional strategy on how to deal with the problem, even though we've known about the risk for some time. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Why is that is a good question. One of the answers in this, I'll defend the bureaucrats and the planners and the politicians, there's no one bay. Another reason I wrote about Mission Creek, you know, what I was just describing, even Mission Creek, Part of it is a seawall, you know, an engineered structure. Part of it is a kind of semi-natural shoreline. Part of it is being built right now. Each of those has totally different demands on it. And at the same time, you have sea level rise threatening Mission Creek, the water going up, the threat of the extreme weather and the big storms means more water could go into it, you know, like discharging from the city. So part of the challenge in the Bay, and I look at this, that's why there are four parts to this series rather than one big piece, 
every area has different types of challenges. So it's hard to say, here's the solution. Mm-hmm. Another area I look at is Foster City, which is down on near the San Mateo Bridge. It was essentially a marsh that became um, farmland, like cattle grazing, into the 1950s. Early 1960s, a developer created a 2,300-acre community just by dumping a lot of dirt on it. Well, now, the levee that surrounds this place with 30,000 people in it, as well as a number of tech businesses, that entire levee has to be raised as much as like six feet to be keyed to projected sea levels. So that's a thing where you have no wiggle room. You have to just build a bigger, higher wall and hope that wall is going to keep you going until someone figures out the next wall. Across the bay in Hayward, you've got thousands of acres of shoreline So you've got this buffer zone to work with, and Hayward's looking at how do we do that, and do we just give up on some of it? Do we decide the best way for our city to think long-term is to just write off hundreds of acres? And then finally, I'm going to go up to Highway 37 in the North Bay, where you have a roadway that is extremely important. It's It's an essential roadway to a lot of workers many low-income workers who go from Solano County into Marin or Sonoma counties. And that's another place where it was essentially laid on top of marshes. And so what comes Mm -hmm. next? Right. And it sounds like cities and local regions are now left to figure out how to tackle sea level risings. And every solution is going to be different depending Mm -hmm. on where you are. But they're also figuring out how to pay for these solutions too. Right. And so... This is going to be costly. You know, experts in your story shared that science and engineering can address these risks, but it probably will come down to how they decide to prioritize which things to fix. So how are these cities and regions making those kinds of really hard decisions? They're all trying to get their arms around it. And that is going to be the big dilemma looking forward the next 20 years and the next 10 years. I talked about Foster City. Raising the levy right now only costs $90 million. (laughs) So they got voters to approve that. Mm -hmm. When you look at Highway 37 in the North Bay, planners and environmentalists have come up with kind of a great holistic solution, but it also costs $4 billion. And ultimately, that money as things exist now, would be controlled by Caltrans because it's a state highway. But when Caltrans is going to have to spend big money on sea level rise, why should it put money into Highway 37 instead of Highway 101 in Marin County, which holds 10 times the amount of traffic, Mm -hmm. or 80 in the East Bay, or things like that? It's There's no funding stream that has been figured out or has been worked at. And that's really what is being wrestled with right now. But there are no real good answers at present, which is pretty ominous. And, and it appears that sometimes perhaps the solution boils down to where people decide to begin to draw the lines of defense. Or in other words, mm-hmm. what cities will decide to protect or allow to flood is that fair? Is that a fair an assessment of how those decisions are being made? 
that is a good assessment of how decisions are being made, where places have had the resources to think about coming up with decisions. Part of the problem is that you have a place like Hayward, which decided back as early as 2012, we need to really start studying what's going on with sea level rise. So it now has this shoreline plan that it's put together the past two years. You've got other cities along the bay that haven't really started to look at this because, you know, like Richmond, for example, has all sorts of endangered shoreline. There's been a lot of talk and studies, but the city of Richmond has so many challenges facing it right now that it doesn't have the ability to make sea level rise the priority over all these other urban issues that are hitting it. Right. And, you know, that's that gets into the almost existential challenge of sea level rise. Yeah. I remember from one of your pieces, you you know, Foster City was motivated by voters once they sort of realize how this could affect their home value. Does some of this mm-hmm. action depend on political will? It depends on political will, yes, absolutely. In the case of Foster City, the political will came about because FEMA, the federal agency, said, if you don't improve your levy, we're going to put you in a floodplain. Mm. (laughs) And suddenly voters are looking at having to buy flood insurance. When that happened, the politicians had the clear road to come in and say, look, if we do a bond, we can settle this problem for the next 80 years. And voters said, okay, great, sure, whatever. Uh, But one of the real problems in tackling sea level rise at a local level and a national level is there is always something more urgent to deal with. Now, look at the Bay Area in the last year or two. Sea level rise is a huge issue. It's an existential threat. And this is the time we should be doing long-range proactive planning and adaptation to get ready. However, there's also been a pandemic. There is the murder of George Floyd that brought just the the challenge and the dangers and harm of systemic racism front and center. There is the homelessness issue. There's the housing issue. There's the transportation gridlock. There are all these other things that are chewing people up on a day-to-day basis. And if Mayor London Breed was to go forward and say, the focus of San Francisco city government right now has to be working on sea level rise that's going to really start hitting us in 2070 or 2050, voters would say, okay, who else can we vote for as mayor? Because (laughs) I've got this laundry list of problems that are hitting me this minute. Yeah. You describe this as a slow motion effect and hopefully your series helps shed light on what's happening, even though it's moving slowly and hopefully generates some curiosity at least or interest in trying to address this in a, in a way that's going to help generations to come. So I appreciate you, John, for sharing it with us. Well, I hope so, because it, the people, it is really another heartening thing about this is just there are a lot of smart, very committed people who are working on this. Some 
represent the bay as a whole. Some represent the Hayward Shoreline Interpretive Center or the farmland along Highway 37. I mean, a lot of people are working really hard and, you know, they're real, these kind of unseen warriors and unseen heroes that, you know, with luck will get us out of this mess, but we have to help them too. Well, thanks so much for doing the series and for talking about it with me today. Okay. Thanks so much, Cecilia. This is great. Thanks. I'd like to thank my guest, John King, for joining me today. You can catch his four-part series, Rising Reality, on sfchronicle.com. The first part about Mission Creek in San Francisco is online right now. Special thanks to King Kaufman for producing the episode. Also, that music you heard in the beginning of the episode, that's also by King. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.